Welcome to the Purposed Marriage Podcast. If you are in a marriage that is damaged, broken, and think all hope is lost, we invite you to listen in to today's broadcast. We pray that through this ministry, you will find biblical encouragement and instruction that will lead you and your spouse, no matter the heart condition, to a closer walk and fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. God can and does heal marriages, no matter how desperate or impossible the circumstances may appear to be. And now, here is today's episode. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Purposed Marriage Podcast. I am Tom Larson, your host. With me, as always, is my wife, Amy Larson. Amy, say hello. Hello, everyone. Today's topic is the divorce delusion. And so we, we thought about some questions that uh, could be asked here. And you all know, if you've been following our podcast, we were divorced three years ago, and Amy initiated the divorce, actually brought the suit against me. We've uh, since been restored. Uh, I don't want to put the blame completely on her because I was the one who for 10 years was giving her all the ammunition that she needed. Uh, Having said that, let's go ahead and jump into some of our questions. And the first one, what was the appeal of the divorce at the time you were considering it? At the time I was considering divorce, I think the appeal was just honestly to be as far from you as possible. Um, we had had a lot of marriage struggles. I had come to the point where I was no longer interested in trying to work it out. I wasn't interested in praying for my husband. I was interested in moving on with my life and moving forward without you. So really, to be alone, to have quote-unquote freedom, my own space, to not have to walk on eggshells, those were all appealing factors to me at the time. So you essentially wanted to be liberated? Yes. Okay. All right. Freedom is what you were seeking. Yes. Freedom from the marriage. Yes. Okay. Well, and and the path that you were taking, it seemed like the right path. It seemed like it, didn't it? Mm, Yeah, I mean, I felt like I had prayed long enough, (laughs) waited long enough, and you weren't willing to change or do anything differently than what you had been doing. And at that point, you know, I was was done. So in order for you to uh, gain what it was that you were seeking, though, what I'm getting at is, in your mind, there was only one option to obtain your freedom. Oh, yes, right? yes. One option to be out of the marriage, to um, be completely separated, divorced. Uh, that way, at that point, I could live my life and be happy. Okay. Well, what did you think that would look like if you if you got your divorce? Well, I thought it would, uh, if I'm being honest, I thought it would free up some time for me um, so that I could, you know, perhaps do things that I had always wanted to do, that I'm traveling and, um, you know, selfish desires, things that, 
you know, I would no longer have have the responsibility fully of watching the children. And so it would allow me free time, freedom from responsibilities, really. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll offer up this verse. It's Proverbs fourteen twelve. It says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. And as you'll attest, the divorce that you sought after and actually obtained it did bring destruction, and it didn't bring to you the liberation that you no. thought it would, did it? No, it, it didn't bring anything like what I thought. And that, that whole phrase, the grass is always greener on the other side, it is a saying for a reason. It's 100% true. Um, when you walk away from a marriage and you seek freedom in my case, which is one of the reasons that um, I was seeking that, it, you, you don't see things for the reality of, of what they are. Um, I was walking away from one set of problems into a whole mountain of other problems. And so now you you were warned about this, and not by me, although I I did try to of course persuade you to pursue another path. But there were, in fact, a counselor. Remember, yeah. at one point mentioned how this was going to create a whole new set of problems. In fact, you were just trading. Yes, basically. trading one set of problems for right. another one. Yeah, and that was actually one of the first counseling sessions that I ever had. Um, and the only counseling session that I had with that counselor. Um, but she was actually, she was right. And whenever I discussed and weighed out the options in my mind, um, the new set of problems were, f for me at the time, the new set of problems seemed so much better than the the other set of options, which were trying to, you know, trying to work it out. Um, staying married, continually to, continuing to pray that, you know, your heart would change. So for me, it, it seemed like the other option, which was divorce, was far greater um, or far better. Far better, yeah. Okay. Uh, people have different reasons for moving forward with divorce. Uh, in our case, and for our listeners, what, what was the basis for you moving forward with divorce? The basis for me moving forward with divorce, which I... Well, you think about it for just a second. Let me go ahead and say that when I received the divorce papers, and I was trying to sift through them to, to see... Okay, what is the reason that she's going to give? Well, the first thing that I noticed was <laughs> irreconcilable differences, which if you know your scripture and you are familiar with uh, the words of the Lord, uh, you will know that that argument right there is not based in any kind of truth. Irreconcilable differences. Well, if you are a born-again Christian, uh, there is always a way to reconcile your relationship with another as long as Christ is in the mix. All right, so 
that thing struck me as, all right, that's completely false, irreconcilable. But people use it all the time. In fact, it's probably the most common excuse out there. I think there. it is the most common. Right, all right. And then there was uh, marital, uh, was improper marital. Marital discourse or. Improper marital something <laughs> is what it was. <laughs> we don't in even a, know. In other words, um, I wasn't fulfilling my proper role as a husband to lead, protect, and I had uh, created a, quote, unsafe environment for her. Uh, now, there was not any kind of uh, physical abuse, but there was plenty of uh, arguing, and uh, Amy had described it as a toxic environment at the time of our separation. But um, So that, that was in legal terms. Right. Sort of the argument that was made, but uh, putting it on a personal level, uh, what do you feel the basis was for moving forward with the divorce? Because w what, I, what I'm hoping to show here is that what you were using as the basis is probably going to be the same that somebody else, same reasons that somebody else is right. out there. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, honestly, I, I didn't have a good basis or a biblical basis at all. I mean, we had to, you know, throw in irreconcilable differences because that was really all that I had to stand on. Now, I did often tell people, you don't know what it's like in my mm -hmm. marriage. Mm -hmm. um, all of these other people can change, but you don't know my husband. He cannot change. He will not change. God, God is incapable of changing him. And I think I actually said that on several occasions, and I, I believed that. And so the anger issues, um, I would often use the anger issues uh, as, a, as a means to, um, you know, I guess paint it in a light to where I was desperately scared and way more scared than I actually was in reality. I painted this picture that I was just, you know, inches away from being struck or, um, you know, just it was a volatile environment. And oftentimes I knew I elaborated on the story in hopes that people would sympathize with me and oh, poor pitiful Amy, she needs to get out of her marriage. Are her you husband saying is you, dangerous. you exaggerated the potential risk? Oh, absolutely. Oh. Yes, absolutely exaggerated right. it. Um, now, that's not to say that I wasn't actually scared. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there were times, especially in very heated arguments, it was not pretty. And there was, you know, a factor of being scared. Um, but I always took it to the next level. Um, you know, it will be any moment now he could, you know, hit me or, you well, know, those types of things. I would play it up in my mind and then, you know, tell others about it in a way that would gain sympathy for myself. One of the things that Satan does, uh, of course, we know that he, he lies to us. He is the great deceiver. But then what we'll often do if we're living in sin and aren't following uh, the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit is once we've been deceived by lies, we will 
we will advance those lies yes. and share them and promote those lies as a means to justify our, our sin. actions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, and also those around me at the time, um, I mean, and when I say those, mainly my therapist and the close friends that I'd surrounded myself with, they were all in favor of me moving forward with my life alone. Um, it, it wasn't like I was, you know, getting a lot of pushback. And so whenever you share your story and share how scared you are and others are agreeing with you and, and agreeing and saying, you're right, he won't ever change, um, you know, and, and placing terms on you, like I believe I was told you were, in fact, a narcissist um, in one of my counseling sessions. And there was a diagram and I went through and, you know, I had to check off all these characteristics of you that, um, that or that these characteristics showed in you. Um, and I think there were like 10 of them and you ended up being eight of them. And so it was like, at that point I was told, well, you know, he's a narcissist. He can never change. And, you know, there, there is potential, um, but most narcissists, it's like 98% um, of them always stay the way that yeah. they are. Um, and what, in fact, was funny about that is that, and I know I've shared this with you, Tommy, but at one point I went back and was thinking about the characteristics of a narcissist and I myself even qualified as a narcissist. Wait a minute, that's me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you know, people love to attach names to you or to say never and they, you know, can't and aren't capable of. Like those types of words are easily attached. Well, and that that whole argument is, is not biblical at all. To, no. To That's, ascribe that label to me, he's a narcissist, therefore he cannot change. I don't see that anywhere in scripture where it is defined, where that, where that principle is laid out to where we read, if this person is said to be a narcissist, there is no way the Holy Spirit can't move and work in their life and they can't be changed. Right, and that's... All right, and, and I'm pretty sure that the Apostle Paul, who was Saul at the time, probably exhibited behaviors that were <laughs> a lot worse than your average narcissist out oh, there. Oh, yes. Given that he was hunting down and murdering Christians for a living and yes. taking pride in it. All right, well, uh, what does Scripture have to say about the basis for moving forward with divorce. We've heard Amy share it was a matter of, there was a lot of fear there, right? Mm -hmm. You wanted to be, quote, safe, get on with your life. These were the reasons that you were using. Matthew 19, 4 through 9. And Pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? He answered, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? and said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. They said to him, 
why did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? He said to them, because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, and marries another, commits adultery. All right, so um, I, I can't speak uh, to the statistics of all the marriages out there that have ended with divorce and how many of uh, those marriages in the suits used infidelity as the basis. I, have, I really have absolutely no idea, mm -hmm. but I would have to say that a large percentage of marriages that have ended simply ended uh, because people just weren't happy and they've given up and they wanted a way out and marital infidelity did not have anything to do with it. it. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, at one point I did know the statistics and you are correct in your assumption. I mean, it's much lower with marriage infidelity is much lower um, than in irreconcilable differences. Yeah. All right, what were some of the things you observed happening with our children during the times of our separation and leading up to our divorce? Now, you knew at the time that this was something that probably wasn't going to be good for them in the short term anyway. You, you were looking for ways to justify this, and you could, see, you could see that I was hurting, but you also saw that they were hurting too. What did, what did that actually look like? And I, I, I want people out there to understand that when you push forward with a divorce and you have children, uh, you are maybe unwittingly or unknowingly inflicting damage upon those children. Mm -hmm. that, is, that is very real. Uh, speak to that, if you would. Um, well, when they were in my care, they typically seemed happy. Um, they didn't share a lot of anxiety or, um, you know, they didn't, they didn't cry often, um, if ever, when they were with me. And so I remember whenever we were separated, you would share with me that they, you know, were sad, that they would cry, and they would cry themselves to sleep and call out for me. Um, and I literally blamed all of it on Tommy, um, on you. I thought that they saw that their daddy was sad and that he was telling them things. And so what was really happening is they weren't truly sad. They were just sad because he was, and he was, um, you know, pushing his feelings onto them. Uh, and it was, it was coming out in that form. And so I was completely ignorant to the fact that my children were absolutely hurting. Our children were devastated. Um, all they really wanted was for mommy and daddy to be back together. Um, they wanted us to be in the same household. Uh, I was breaking their hearts and I did not see it for what it was. I blamed all of it like 100% of it on Tommy and things that I thought he was saying to them, um, actions of his that I thought helped create an environment where, you know, they were actually more sad than he thought they really were. 
I remember you shared uh, a, a time with me. This was after we reconciled, uh, reconciled about a call you got from our firstborn school. Yes. Remember that? Yes. Describe um, that. Yeah, I received a phone call from our oldest son's teacher, and she had expressed um, sadness to me over the phone. She was, you know, she called because she was concerned. She wanted me to know that he had had a very hard day. He had been crying off and on all throughout the day. Um, and when she approached him about it and she asked him what was wrong, he told her that he was very sad that his mommy and daddy were no longer living together and that he was trying not to cry. But that he could not hold back the tears. And he was unconsolable. Um, she asked if I wanted to come get him or if I would like to talk to him on the phone. And so I asked to speak with him. I talked to him shortly for maybe 10 or 15 minutes. And then she got back on the phone and I told her, oh, he talked to me, he's totally fine. Have a great day. Mm. And it just, I had actually forgotten about that. Yeah. And thinking back on it now, just to know how heartbroken he had, he had to have been to actually express it just because he is a very um, inward, he's a big thinker. He keeps his feelings in sometimes. And to think about what that must have been like for him to actually express it and then for his mommy to know about it and his mommy still did not come to school and help or console him. Um, all I did was talk to him on the phone. That is just unbelievable to me. Um, and again, I justified it in my mind. This was all because of my husband. He is telling our children things that he shouldn't be. He's having adult conversations with our children and I don't approve of the conversations he's having with right. him. Yeah, and none of that actually was taking place. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, you were telling them that you missed Mommy and that you would like for us to all be back together again. There is absolutely nothing adult about that. There is nothing shameful about that. It's being honest, and I accused you of saying those things, lying, telling our children that you were going to come back to our house one day, um, that you were lying to them and that you needed to stop. Yeah. Well, um, we, do, we do some uh, foolish things when we're running from the Lord and uh, we, we make excuses. I mean, I... I'll be the first to say that I did that sort of thing for years. Um, there was another uh, time I remember where our, our middle child 
uh, he was having some problems, I believe, at, at school, and you had suggested that he go to counseling. <laughs> Do you remember yes. that? Yes. Yeah. And um, he had problems with aggression. Yeah. He would go from zero to 10 in a matter of seconds, and he couldn't control his um, his hurt and his right. pain. Yeah. And th- this was two, three weeks after I was out of the house. And I remember our phone conversation. And at the time, I was, I was not holding much back in terms of <laughs> speaking, speaking the truth. Right. Uh, and uh, I, I believe I told you that the best therapy for him would be if his mommy and daddy were back together. And yes. then that's the cause of the problem, and that the counseling uh, was more or less just like a Band-Aid. That's not going to fix anything. Right. And I remember you uh, getting very upset at that. I think it, it might have been because you acknowledged that that was the truth, but you weren't, you acknowledged in your mind maybe that that was the truth, and you knew that was the oh, truth, yeah, but, but you weren't going to. Right, and I mean, you had a, a deceived heart at the time, an angered heart, and I mean, I recognize that, and uh, all right, so if, if you think that what you're doing by pursuing a divorce is not going to have an effect on the children, hmm. you are mistaken. Sadly mistaken. And you are, you are lying to yourself if you believe that, and you know, you can, you can move forward with these plans, put your kids in, quote, therapy, and think that that's going to take care of them, and it is not. Uh, I mean, there are so many problems uh, that will come as a result of the decision to move forward. You know, I had a conversation after we got remarried with a dear friend of mine, and she had been divorced, and she had gotten remarried um, she was in a terrible relationship, and but again pursued um, remarriage after uh, her divorce. And she said that you know she thought that things would be fine, that the children were in counseling, and that she had done everything she thought was possible to make their home life wonderful and. After you get divorced, you have to go to parenting classes. And in these parenting classes, she said she remembered the um, instructor sharing the statistics on what it looks like um, to have divorced parents, like the statistics for children um, regarding drug usage, alcohol abuse, um, dropping out of school. They immediately become at-risk students. Most of them do. Yes. Right. Yes. And she shared that she knew that, you know, those were the statistics, but she didn't believe that would ever happen to her children. And she did all of the right things. She felt like um, they were, you know, in like I said, in counseling. They were in church. They had a great stepfather and she said, you know, I'm here to tell you that what you and your husband did by reconciling and getting back together is the best thing that could have ever happened for those children because despite 
all of my well wishes and my prayers and my hopes and dreams for my kids. She said she was sad to say that they had slipped into all of those statistics. So it was just very sad to hear that from her, um, for her family. Um, but it was also very revealing to me that our children could have easily ended up in those statistics. And like you stated, um, oftentimes, more often than not, the children end up in at-risk homes. Um, a lot of times, financial troubles are, are, are the biggest factor. Um, trying to figure out where they're going to live, how they're going to pay the bills, how they're going to eat their next meal. Um, all of those things come into play. And those are not in the fairy tale freedom dreams that you think of whenever you're pursuing a divorce. Right. And, uh, uh, it's, you know, we're, we're, we're so deceived, uh, when we, when we follow that path, uh, all the while blinded to all the risks that are, um, that, that come right after the divorce is finalized that we're, we're putting our children through. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a disaster oh, it's uh, a waiting, huge waiting disaster. to happen. Yeah, and that people are just blind to. They don't see it. Mm-hmm. They don't and see what's coming. I, I also think it's so important to point out that, you know, I was so selfish. At that point, I was walking away from the Lord. I was walking away from everything that I knew to be true. I was completely deceived. I felt like I had blinders over my eyes for the longest time. But part of that deception is being so selfish Mm -hmm. and just looking inward to yourself for what feels good, what sounds good, what looks good. Um, And you turn inward to yourself instead of looking upward to God. Well, it's because we all have the answers right inside of us, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 We deceive ourselves if we think that we do. Yes. Well, that's a that's a good point there and it leads uh, me to our next question and that is what was the condition of your heart while pursuing the divorce? <laughs> it was stone. I mean, there are no mixing words. I had truly a heart of stone. It did not matter if um regardless if you showed emotion, you didn't show emotion. I basically felt like I had turned my emotions off. I gave very simple, quick, one-worded answers. There were oftentimes Tommy even sent me a message asking a question, um, and I would just put why or in for yes or no. Because to actually (laughs) spell out the word no was too much effort. It was too much effort. More you effort than I was worth. my time. Yes. I mean, yes. it was just, it was so <laughs> ridiculous. Um, whenever we would... I remember those, <laughs> those <laughs> messages. Whenever we would meet up. Um, and and we, we did not even meet at our home. We met in a parking lot at a grocery store, which if you are have ever been in that situation I don't think anything is more demoralizing um, on on the behalf of those that are pursuing the stand uh, I mean I can't think of anything worse than just meeting in a parking lot and picking up your children well, really 
I, I remember one time with our oldest being in the parking lot and he had his little suitcase with him sitting outside the car on the curb with the suitcase and and I saw him and he just was you know had his he was leaning up against his fist he was sitting there yeah kind of crouched and I just you know I just shook my head and as we were discussing plans for pickup or whatever it yeah. it was it was ridiculous I mean and and it was my choice that was my choice um, to meet there, so I'm not at all, you know, b- blaming that on on you. It was my choice to meet there, I, but I didn't see it for what it was. I didn't see my child propped up against a suitcase while mommy and daddy were discussing plans. You know, it's just like you don't see anything except your fleshly desires at that point. Like, nothing else matters. You're so blinded to the hurt and the pain that you cause everyone else and I just remember you know even to discuss pickup you know instead of asking you what time I mean I would text you a question mark and you were supposed to know that that meant what time do you pick the children up I mean it was just I put very little effort into communicating I tried at all costs to not communicate. Um, I made it difficult for there to be any type of interaction. Um, and oftentimes, you know, my heart was just so hardened that, to be quite honest, I could have cared less how you felt. I could have cared less how anyone felt other than myself. Well, at that point, from my perspective, you mentioned the heart of stone, it had turned to stone. I, I saw in you, it, it was like a deadness. Mm-hmm. Something had died. Yes. And I, and I saw it in your eyes, too. It's, it, it's not something that I could easily define, but there was an appearance of your countenance that just looked like the life had gone out of it and you were lifeless, dead. Um, and, uh, yeah, cold, emotionless. And um, that was hard dealing with that. And this, especially if you're standing, you might be wondering, well, how do you deal with somebody who is cold like that? Oh, and, and that would laugh in your face. Yeah. I mean, I was... Laugh, mock. I was nasty. I would mock. I would laugh. I mean, you know, you could be standing there in tears and I would just laugh at you and say, look at you, you know. <laughs> You think I'm going to be attracted to to you sitting yeah. here la- uh, crying? You know. Well, it, it, it was just. You know, there there is some truth uh, to the argument that you know, if you're a basket case, that that's not very appealing oh, right. to but the you person you're trying trying case. to win back. Right. Uh, and it is difficult to, you know, see all this play out in front of your eyes and to, um, you know. Hold in your emotions. Yeah, it's hold. That, it's that, hard to control that, that's your very, emotions. That, that's very. That's very difficult, especially when you're dealing with the kids. I, I know I would always uh, have difficulties if I saw the children uh, crying or, mm-hmm. or getting emotional, and and we would see that sometimes on exchanges after we would quote meet, uh, they'd be crying, and I would remember at the time you would you would sort of laugh it off like oh maybe there's something wrong with it. I don't know what 
excuse you would make. And I'm thinking the whole time, Amy, can't you see? They're, they're crying because of what we're doing right now. Right. And, um, yeah, that was, uh, that, that was very difficult. And all I can say in terms of advice, how do you, how do you deal with somebody uh, in those circumstances, is to just uh, zip your lips. That is, not get angry with them, but just understand that they are under the control of the enemy at that point and to be as loving and as kind and as, po as possible and uh, when you aren't around them to just devote yourself to intense prayer for them on their behalf because this is a this is a spiritual matter right here um, uh, the devil and his demons are waging war against your spouse uh, their souls trying to destroy your family and uh, you need to remain faithful and lift them up in prayer because that's where the battle uh, is fought, spiritual warfare. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And that is true. Uh, what were some things said to you that compelled you to believe that divorce was the correct path? In other words, you had, you had an idea in your mind of the path that you needed to embark on, mm -hmm. but surely there were some things said to you by others, people who may have had some influence that pushed you along that path. And what I want to do at this point is to just expose some of those things for what they are, that is lies, lies of the devil. Right. Well, I mean, we've kind of already touched on most of them. I mean, the main one being that you were incapable of changing. You would never change. Um, it, and it, it all always had to do with you. <laughs> it never had to do with um, me or, you know, the condition of my spiritual life. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I mean, that was pretty much the main one. Okay, that I was incapable of change. Yes. That pe people don't, you hear that said a lot, people, people don't, don't change, change. Mm -hmm. right. And again, that argument, it doesn't hold up to scrutiny when you contrast it with what Scripture says. All right. throughout Scripture, we see examples of changed lives. Yes, and I think it also limits the power of God. You know, we limit God and place Him in a box and, and say He is incapable of, you know, a miracle in this man's life. I mean, He's, he's fully capable of creating the earth He's fully create, you know, capable of creating man from dust, but he is not capable of changing that man. I mean, really, that argument is silly if you put it up against Scripture. Did you have people tell you that the decision you were making was for the best? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, this is, this is the best decision for you. This is the best decision for your boys. Um, and often, I have to say, too, I would often use this, um, is, and I use this pretty much every time I talk to someone, I believe. I would tell them that, well, you just don't know what it's like in our house. You don't know how he talks to me. And it got to I, a I point. I did talk very bad to you, for those listening. Yes. Uh, I, I don't want to minimize that I had become very cruel and harsh and calloused myself in the way I was treating my wife. So right. Amy had uh, cause uh, for 
being as upset as she was at times. Yeah, and so um, I would, you know, but I would tell people that I did not want our children to grow up and in 20 years hear them speaking to their wives like you spoke to me and basically have enabled that behavior because I didn't do anything about it. Um, And at that point, I mean, you had already been seeking out biblical counseling. Your life and heart and everything had been changing. Um, And I just assumed, yeah, anybody's able to change for, you know, a couple months. Um, And that's kind of how I looked at it. Well, he can change and he can act a certain way for so long, but eventually he will go back to acting and being the same... The jerk that he was. (laughs) Yeah, the same jerk that he was. Um, And so, you know, I think whenever you do use your children as the backbone for your argument, a lot of people are going to agree with you, Mm -hmm. regardless if they are, you know, churchgoers or not. Um, You know, I had a lot of support of, well, this is what's best for you. This is what's best for the boys. You know, the deceived one reframes the argument and brings in children as a means to gain sympathy for their position. absolutely. Yeah, and that's a tactic. It is a tactic. That is a tactic and a tool used by Satan Mm -hmm. uh, to deceive other people into giving you bad advice. Right. Yeah. Um, Beyond the emotional suffering uh, of our children, which we've discussed, what were some of the life consequences you encountered during the divorce season. So as you pursued this and after the divorce went through, what were some things that you were having to deal with that you didn't anticipate uh, when you first got the idea to... Oh, goodness. Well, one of the main things that I had to change, I mean, I had to go back to school and get... Well, I didn't have to. I chose to go back to school I got a certification um, in a completely different career from what I was doing at the time. Um, That cost a good amount of money, and so I changed my career. Um, Well, I first went back to school, then changed my career. Um, I blew through $30,000 within a year, Um, and that, you know, that money was gone. And I mean, I did not see the, I guess the, the, the freedom and the dream in my mind of just being, you know, on my own. Like I I didn't think through what that meant financially and what that meant for my responsibilities. And I was so overwhelmed going to school, um, working, Uh, After I was finished with school, working more, I was working all the time, and I would come home and be so exhausted, and the children were with me the majority of the time, and I would snap. And I remember, you know, on several occasions, just after putting the boys to bed, going up to my room and just bawling, thinking of what a terrible mom I had become. Um, 
and just thinking like this is not the dream I envisioned this is not how I thought life would be um and then another thing you know not even in regards to the children but just um on a level of you know you go from being married to not just the loneliness that sets in and longing to know the love uh, you know from my husband and longing to you know feel a, a oneness um, just to have somebody snuggle up next to you, um, a warmth beside you in bed. I mean, it is, it is very, very lonely. Um, and I would put on this happy face and let people see, oh, look how happy she is. She's, you know, she's getting in really good shape. She's traveling. She's I, doing I all these things. I remember at the time, uh, while you were getting, um, health, health-wise, uh, much healthier. Yes, I, I was. Much I guess, healthier. and um, you, you were quite intentional about making sure that other people knew <laughs> that they were introduced yes. to the new you. I enjoyed right, sharing and all the on physical social media yes. attributes, right? And so that was a means for you to build your self-esteem oh, as a absolutely. means to compensate for the emotional suffering. That, yes, which was really happening. Yes. Right. So on social media. I made I made it look like, oh, look at Amy. She's so happy. She's, you know, lost a bunch of weight. She's getting in good shape. She's running. She's active. She, you know, is in control of her own life. Meanwhile, every night I'm going to bed crying myself to sleep because it is intense loneliness. And I was anything but happy. I mean, mm-hmm. it was it was miserable. And oftentimes I remember thinking, all I have to do is, you know, call my husband. And, and I mean, we could solve this in a matter of minutes. Um, but my pride was so, so um, puffed up at that point. There is no way I would have, even if I wanted to do that, I couldn't have because I was putting on this front. Well, what would people think if I you know, gave into pride. It's just ridiculous how Satan deceives you in so many different ways Um, and then puffs you up. So then when you're ready to turn back, it's like, I want to do this. At the end of the day, that argument, what what would other people think? Who cares what they think? Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I'm being obedient to the Lord. I'm following him. My, My marriage is being restored. Who cares? I know. Who cares what other people think? Like, are you being obedient or are you being disobedient? And that really should be what it comes down to. When you are making these decisions, you look at the Bible, you allow God's word to direct and guide you. And at the end of the day, if you can look at the Bible and you can say, hey, I'm in line with this. This is the path that I'm supposed to be on because this is what Scripture says. Then you're making the right decision. If it's the opposite, then you know for sure you are you are following your own selfish desires and being led astray. You were sold a bill of goods is what it boils down to. Yes. Uh, and uh, it's like you couldn't get a refund at that point. <laughs> no. Yeah. No, it sounds good, but in reality it is nothing but... 
but good. And it, it is the complete opposite in your mind of what you think it will be. Yeah. It is the complete opposite. What was it that changed in your heart and mind to persuade you that divorce was a mistake? I mean, something had to change to where, you know, you're going along this path for so long, believing divorce is the right move, and then something has to happen to change your mind into thinking that, oh, wait, I've been on the wrong side here. <laughs> yeah. What was that? Um, well, that was honestly just seeing you. Uh, seeing you demonstrate kindness and love and coming to the realization after several years, okay, he's acted long enough. Like, this is no longer acting. This is who you are. You truly had become a man of God. You had truly dove into the Word and in service um, in our church and you truly were the person that you were claiming to be. Now at that time, uh, I believe you said you were reading your Bible. Yes. And as our reconciliation got closer and we were spending more time together, there mm -hmm. were even events at church that you would come to. Mm -hmm. uh, were you reading anything in Scripture that might have been influencing you uh, at that time to maybe be changing your heart a little bit? Um, absolutely. I, I, I think in the beginning, <laughs> now I was, what's funny about the whole thing is that I was always reading Scripture. I journaled and read my Bible um, often. I mean, and I believe nearly every single day, honestly. But what I was doing in the beginning is when I would read passages, I would read scripture, and the truth would be before me, I would spend hours trying to justify my actions and pull scriptures out of context to support what I was doing. So you, you were basically filtering it. Oh, through right. a sinful mind and yes. deceived heart at the time. Yes, and I mean, it I says knew. this, then it comes into my deceitful heart, mm -hmm. and I'm going to reinterpret it to mean this, so that it's not as potent. Exactly. Right. Yeah, I mean, I would use at that at, in the beginning, I would use scripture to justify my actions, but towards the end, um, as I was having, you know. A closer walk with the Lord and my eyes were being opened more and more um, and I was seeing you for the man of God that you had claimed to be at that point when I was reading scripture it was a realization of wow you have been deceived this entire time like you thought what you were doing was the right thing for you you thought what you were doing was the right thing for your children you were the one that was deceived. And honestly, Tommy hasn't done anything except hold true to what he's been saying all along, which was that you loved me, that no matter what, you would fight for our marriage, that no matter what, you were knocking on the door waiting for me to let you in and that you would always be there to love and care for me regardless of how I treated you. And none of those things changed. You were still doing all the same things. But I started seeing it 
for what it was. And I started realizing that you were in fact displaying not only love to me, but I could see you displaying a love like Christ's love, a sacrificial love that I was very undeserving of. Well, I think the closer all of us are uh, to Jesus, uh, the more our actions are going to mirror what his actions were yes. while he lived here on this earth. He, he, uh, he sacrificed. I mean, his whole ministry was about sacrifice and service. And restoration. And restoration, right? Yeah. Um, well, if, if you're struggling um, right now, maybe with how you view your spouse or you're thinking about divorce and you're headed down that path, um, let, me, let me share with you the importance of staying in Scripture and allowing the Lord uh, to speak truth to you. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So if you're having an internal struggle right now, and maybe you're trying to justify uh, a path that, as we've shared here, is not the godly path, read God's Word and let it penetrate your heart because truth will be revealed to you. The things that I was believing about marriage and the lies that I was believing in my mind about things that I was struggling with, they were all pure deceptions and it wasn't until I really uh, was able to uh, dive into the Word of God and, and commit many of these passages to memory that it, it really started transforming me and affecting the way that I thought about things. It, it provided for me right thinking. Yes. Right thinking and that's what we should all be about is uh, thinking about things the way God would have us think about them, mm -hmm. all right? There's a, there's a whole world out there that has the complete opposite perspective. It always bothers me when I hear Christians talk about divorce and try to justify it because what they're essentially doing is they're, they're stepping over the line and they are siding with the people who do not have God. That's who they're following. Um, so let that not happen to you. Uh, Believe what the Bible says and uh, let the words of Scripture speak to your heart and to your soul. Amy, what advice would you give now to individuals who are believing that divorce is the best way to move forward from a troubled marriage? The best advice that I can give is to truly plug into a Bible-believing church. Oftentimes when we are running away from the Lord or we're justifying our actions um, and we know that we're doing something that we're not supposed to, we want to run away from the church as well. We want to get as far from God as we can. And um, I, I think it's so important to recognize that a Bible-believing church, and, and I specify Bible-believing because there are some churches out there that will unfortunately, you know, help in your crusade to divorce your husband. There are wife. many congregations that will do that. Many congregations who do not hold hold fast to truth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's why I 
I, I always like to say Bible-believing churches um, because, you know, in, in our case, we were at the time attending, no, we were not members, but we were attending very sporadically, but attending a Bible-believing church. And I sought counsel for Tommy. I um, reached out to a pastor asking to get help for him. Um, but when it came time for me to be a part of the counseling, I turned away and, and, and said no thanks. So there are so many Bible-believing churches that have pastors and ministries that want to help you work through this. Um, there is a great website, ACBC, if you're looking for counseling that is grounded in truth and biblical counseling, um, go to the ACBC website, and that is the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors. Um, you can search your area and find counselors in that area. Um, if you're not a part of a church, you know, get into church. Serve the Lord where you are and seek out the truth. And so, you know, the best advice is to plug in um, and to seek counsel from a biblical counselor. And, and for those folks out there who are standing for their marriage, maybe it's their spouse who has left them or who has initiated a divorce, uh, what would you say to them in terms of uh, how they should go about standing strong? Um, well, honestly, just continue to pray. The power of prayer is so mighty. And we often look at it as a last resort, and it should be the first thing that we do. And I know for a fact that Tommy's prayers um, absolutely helped. Uh, I mean, God heard his prayers. God heard his cry. And I know he also had others praying for me. I mean, he had a team of prayer warriors. We actually had scheduled prayer meetings where we would all pray together at specific times. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I shared that with you. I don't think you did. Yeah. I did know that you had a lot of people yeah. praying for me. And so prayer absolutely works. Um, and to have others, you know, be in agreement with you, um, to pray alongside you. Also, I think another thing that's so important is to continue to show your spouse love uh, and I know some of the Sanders here have zero communication um, with your spouse. And if they have um, asked for no communication, I do think that there has to be a level of respect. You know, you don't want to continue badgering your spouse when they have asked for you to not communicate with them. But if you have an open line of communication. I know that one of the things that helped me so much and helped um, restore our marriage is that Tommy would always be very kind and loving to me um, in his text messages, in his communications with me. Um, if things started that was to... That was only through God's grace that yes. he allowed me to do that <laughs> because what comes naturally 
is uh, anger. Is anger, and uh, it, it's not very good. There were times where messages would come across, and my my first instinct might be to quickly fire one back in anger. But I would I would ask the Lord to help me, Father, give me the words to say here. Let me respond in grace, mm -hmm. so that her heart may not be further hardened. Yes. And by His grace, He enabled me to do that. Thankfully. Yes. And so, if you have communication with with your with your spouse, I would encourage you to just always try to show kindness. Um, you know, and if if you are having a hard time doing that, then as Tommy said, zip your lips. Um, just don't say anything at all at that point. Um, but Tommy also communicated with with me in a way where he knew when I was open and I was listening um, that he could share with me, you know, maybe some desires that he had. Um, and he, he tried to paint a picture for what our future would look like if we got back together. But he only did it in times where he knew I was opened to the idea or where my heart may have been more softened than, than normal. <laughs> and um, those things, like seeing, seeing um, our marriage in a different light, he would tell me often, if we were to ever get back together, I promise you, our marriage would be unrecognizable. We would not pick up where we ended. It would be a complete transformed marriage. Um, and, and he was so right about that. So he painted a picture for me uh, to help me see what it could look like in the future. So if you do have that communication, you know, do small things for your spouse. Send them a little note. Um, he would often cook me meals or bring me a little treat or a coffee. And um, I did not always accept him, but he continued to bring them. Uh, and um, so I would, I would encourage, you know, small little things like that. Um, well, I would say ask the Lord to impress upon your heart things yes. that you could do. That um, that would speak to your spouse, right? And that are acts of service. Acts of service, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, and to only do those when uh, your spouse is going to be receptive yes. to them, because I mean, it does you no good to do some things when they're they're very upset or they're angry. I mean, it's like pouring gasoline on a fire. Yes. It can be right. So we have to be uh, we have to be mindful of the type of mood that. Um, our spouses are in at times. Yes. Uh, well, for those who are who are struggling, uh, Amy offered some good advice there. But let me offer up this scripture: Psalm thirty-seven, five through six. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him, and He will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light, and your justice as the noonday. Do not be wavering in your stand. Uh, you out there who are holding on to your marriages. Believe in the Lord and trust in Him. Lord, we thank You for this time we've had now to gather and speak concerning Your Word and Your truth regarding the issue of divorce. Father, we pray that if there are those out there listening who are considering this ungodly path, that Your Spirit would move in their heart 
and mind to help them see clearly the error of their ways. Lord, we acknowledge that true transformation only comes through you and that is your word that should serve as our guide as we struggle to make decisions that are right and honoring in your sight. Lord, as we close this teaching tonight, it is our prayer that a mighty work would be done in and through the lives of your children that would impact the building of your kingdom. By your grace, may you find all our words and deeds honorable and pleasing to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Purposed Marriage Podcast. We hope and pray it strengthens and further equips you to remain committed to your marriage no matter the condition or circumstances. For more information and links to resources from our ministry, be sure to follow us on social media and through our official blog at purposedmarriage.org. If you have questions about standing for your marriage and desire to learn more about how to live biblically during times of trial and heartache, please reach out to us via email. Our address is purposedmarriage at gmail.com. Until our next broadcast, may God continue to strengthen and encourage as you pursue a Christ-honoring and purposed marriage.